Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on The Basic Podcast, where you can hear all of our latest messages, interviews, and more. Basic is a college and young adult ministry focused on uniting people to join in Jesus' work. To keep up with what's happening in our community, take a moment to follow us at Basic Worship or explore our website, basicworship.org. We hope you enjoy this episode of our podcast and that it helps you take a next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hello, what's up, Basic? Are we in here tonight or what? I think it's more people in here tonight than it was like last last Thursday. Would you agree or no? How many people was here last Thursday? And you came back knowing I was coming up? Who invited somebody? Yeah, that's awesome. Give it up. Anybody in here for the first time? No regulars. Those regulars, gotta love them. Um, my name is Preston Taylor, and I'm from Waterloo, Iowa, and Laura Hoy is a good friend of mine. Um, how many of y'all enjoyed Laura's talk last week? Give her a clap. Yeah, Laura did an amazing job, and I really appreciate Laura and what she brings to the table. Um, the other thing I appreciate and really like about Laura is she's a nonconformist, you know? I feel like at some point when we really allow God to get a hold of us, we follow that call and we do what God puts on our hearts. And oftentimes that's going to go against the world and what your friends, your peers, and sometimes even what your family may think. So I appreciate you following that call. Um, So I'm from Waterloo and... I'm not quite sure why I was asked to come up here. Maybe because of my experience. So a little bit of my background, uh, I grew up uh, in a low-income family on the uh, east side of Waterloo. How many of y'all have uh, is, are in here are from Waterloo? Anybody grew up, been on the east side, west side of Waterloo? West side? My man's Ben. That's you, Ben? Okay. Um, so nobody in here has been to Waterloo? You've been to Waterloo? Yeah. Are there like some, some, some fears or doubts about going into Waterloo? It's okay to say yeah, no. Because I know I attended UNI in 2016, and I used to hear people in the classroom talk, and um, I didn't hear a lot of good things about the city I grew up in and the city I love. You know, it was a lot of fear about not going into Waterloo because people get shot because there's gangs, you know, so it was a great sense of like uncertainty uh, for safety reasons. And I honestly, um, I admit that that's everywhere you go, but um, it's really not as bad as, you know, some people make it seem. Uh, So growing up, I grew up, I got a a brother, an older brother, and I got a, a younger sister. I was the middle child, so I had middle child syndrome. Um, I had attention for a while, and then after my sister was born, it went away, so I suffered from, like, lack of attention disorder, (laughs) and um, uh, I was just that curious child. I just found myself um, on the side of, like, always, like, if it was almost dangerous, like, if this stage was a a little higher, and as a kid, you know, you tell your kid, don't get close to the end of the stage, because you might fall off and hurt yourself. I was the type of kid who would, you know, teeter the line 
to see if, you know, it was as dangerous as my mom made it seem. So because naturally I was curious and because naturally I was just drawn to things that I didn't understand or I didn't know, I found myself doing a lot of things that I probably had no business doing. And because of that, um, I, I got into a lot of trouble. Um, and not to go too deep into it, but uh, my sixth grade year was the first year that I was sent to a residential facility in Marion, Iowa called Verizon Center. Um, me and my brother, we used to fight. He used to wrestle, and you know, you got the siblings robbery. Anybody got brothers that they used to fight with where my guys at? You know, you admit it, right? Look, girls, sisters, y'all probably had it worse. Um, and it was just one of those times that over the years of us kind of doing that, and you know, my mom, she had got divorced, she was single, she worked a lot, and um, because we were abused by an auntie of mine, as uh, my mom started discovering this, she felt a lot safer with us being at home versus being somewhere where she knew we were going to get abused. So me and my brother, we fought a lot, and this day, you know, it got a little bit out of control, and the police was called, and I was arrested as a sixth grader and sent to my first residential facility for about eight to nine months. Um, and then that wasn't the start. Well, that, that was the start, but it wasn't the end. And, I, you know, I found myself in a cycle because I was different and because the things that I was attracted to and, and the things that I, I liked doing, it, it just wasn't okay. And I didn't understand it wasn't okay. I just did it because I liked it, right? Like, you couldn't tell me not to do something and I liked it and expect me not to do it. I may not do it because you were there, but I'm going to sneak and I'm going to do it anyway. And because I so happened to be like that black sheep or like the outcast or the odd one out of the bunch, I went where I was accepted. And where I felt like I was accepted at was with people who were kind of misfits like I was. Um, I found myself hanging around with gang members. I found myself hanging out with people who parents didn't really care what they did. So, um, you know, I started smoking weed and drinking at an early age. I started running away from home. And I, I think a lot of it stemmed from the fact that I was abused and I didn't have an outlet. Um, I suffered in school um, because of attention. I told you I was that middle child syndrome, attention seeker. So uh, I just had a hard time in school. And it wasn't that it was the academics or the work was too hard. It was just difficult. And um, by the time I was 17, I found myself in prison. Yep, 17 years old. How many of y'all were 17 like a year ago, two years ago? Like that's like yesterday for some of you, right? Could you imagine someone, do, does anyone in here have a family member, a close family member that's been incarcerated, jail, prison, a couple? That's tough, ain't it? Um, I went as a 17-year-old for selling drugs, you know. My mom, she struggled, and I wanted what the other kids had. I wanted the fly shoes. I wanted um, the clothes, and, you know, I wanted to keep my hair cut because I didn't want to get bullied, and everybody else kind of seemed to fit in and get along. And on top of me being the, the, the eyeball or the black sheep, I didn't have what everybody else had. So it made it difficult. So I resorted to, you know, doing... Um, what I could do to, to work. And um, I decided to sell drugs because that's what I seen. And I'm gonna talk about how like 
the culture of hip hop and a lot of the music kind of influenced me to make the choices and decisions uh, that I made that led me up to that point. So that's just a little bit of my background. And I, and I, I don't know personally a lot of people who have, I don't know a lot of people personally who have overcome what I've overcome, not to say that they're not out there, but just starting out early and realizing like change is probably some of the hardest, one of the hardest things that we're ever gonna have to do. Like you changing you and becoming the person that God wants you to become is gonna be the hardest thing you will ever do because it's just easier to kind of blend in and be a fly on the wall, right? And do what is culturally accepted, you know, in society or even within your peer group. Um, and as Christians, we're called to be distinguished, we're called to be different, and, um, you know, we're peculiar. And we should be that light on the hill, and we should be the salt of the earth. Um, so I want you to take a look at this picture. And um, participation is, is great. I want to know y'all still in here, y'all alive, and I'm not boring you. So when you take a look at this picture, What's the first thing that comes to your mind? And you can just shout it out. George Floyd, yeah, right in the middle. Who else? Breonna Taylor. What else comes to your mind? Think family. Think brother, think sister, think human. Think a son, a father, right, a doctor. Think a medical worker, your store clerk. Think your neighbor, a baby, right? He's a father. You know, he, he's a son. I think with everything that's going on, we can so easily have this cognitive dissonance from these people because we don't see it. It's not a part of our world, and we think that it doesn't affect us. Um, you know, when I see this picture... I see people who are lovable, people who are capable, people who are worthwhile. I see people who should be loved without strings attached. And I also see people that shouldn't have been killed because they were black. Like, when did being black become a death sentence? Regardless on people's backgrounds or their behavior, um, I don't think that warrants someone's death. And when I look at this picture, I see me, because this could have been me. I was a known gang member when the police used to pull up behind me. Um, they have this, when they pull your name up and it brings up your driving record and everything, what mine used to say is used to say, affiliated gang member known to assault police. And it wasn't that I was assaultive, it was just I didn't appreciate the way the police, when they encountered me, would treat me and handle me. And that's what made me combative, but they called it assaultive. So I never had a, had a chance once I got entered into the juvenile court system and even in my early um, 20s, I didn't stand a chance. Even if I was within my right and I didn't do anything wrong, when they approach my car, because when you pull my name up, it says known gang member, 
and known the assault police. They didn't approach my car and say, hey, how you doing today, sir? You got your license and registration? It was, how you doing today, sir? Could you put your hands on the steering wheel? It's a difference. How many of you seen yourself in this picture? My man's right there. I think that we got to start seeing ourselves. It's not that I get, like, the other thing I see when I see this picture, I do see black. And it's okay to say that we see color because I see your color. You see my color. But because we have different skin complexions due to the lack of melatonin, it doesn't make me different than you, right? It doesn't make me not want to get to know you or, because um, people will say, well, I don't see color. Come on, you can flush that. We see color. <laughs> I see your color, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect the way I treat you as a person, right? It doesn't affect the way that I love you or treat you or my kindness or my gentleness. That doesn't get cut off because we have different skin complexions. And also, with the killing of Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor, they announced that they weren't going to charge any of the police officers in that killing. It's sad. I don't know if y'all knew this, but in Grinnell, um, they found uh, a black man burning in a ditch. Then in Southern Iowa, somewhere, um, they had a, a group of high school kids who dressed up and put clans member hoodies on and burnt a cross. I mean, why they did, I don't even think that sometimes people understand why they do what they do um, or how offensive what they do really is. You know, oftentimes it's for shits and giggles, right? It's just for fun. You know, we were just poking fun, having a good time, right? But not really knowing um, the type of resentments and anger and all the other things that that brings up. So I would like to take a, a moment just for you to just close your eyes and just reflect, like, when you look at that picture, put yourself in that situation of being that person's mom, being that person's sister, being that person's auntie, being that person's brother, being that person's father, right? Because it may not be here, but I feel our, our, we're all connected. And this has to pull on your emotional strings, whether if it's happening in your community and whether if it's your reality or not, it's our reality. And I think the more we can lament and the more we can stand in the shoes of those, not only on this end, but even the officers. Like we have to, you know, feel and pray for the people on both sides of the gun in this case, right? Because not everybody is victims and not everybody is victimizer. So if you would just, just take a moment
And just close your eyes. And just think if this was you, someone you loved, someone you knew, someone you were connected to, if this was your mom, your aunt, your brother, your sister. Father God, I just thank you for all um, that you do and um, for reconciling us to yourself. I just thank you for this moment. I just thank you for everybody that's in the room. Um, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you move and you ignite that fire inside people that you put there. I just ask that you open up their hearts and their ears to um, hear from you. And I just pray and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, and this is, and, and, and another thing that I feel like is important, when we look at the totality of all this, and you may ask, like, well, how do I get involved? What do I do? Um, you know, some people may say, well, it, don't, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Some people may be really conservative and subscribe to the conservative views and say, well, um, you know, they were kind of at fault or whatever it may be. But I have to say, you know, like uh, last week, it's all about perspective, right? We just have to get a better perspective. And the world changes when we change our perspectives. And sometimes we have to understand what perspective we're subscribing to. We have to understand how we are seeing the world or what is our current perspective and how is that different and does it make it right or does it make it wrong? Um, you know, I really struggle with trying to decide which way to go and I had it talk kind of, you know, mapped out and then I was watching the news um, and just seeing everything that was happening, and it, it really did, like, just break me, like, inside when I see it. It's like, I feel the pain. I feel the hurt. I feel the anger, you know, because in a different day and time, I probably would have been protesting out there, busting windows. I would have been setting something on fire, you know. I totally would have. I would have been a radical in the front because it didn't care because I would have loved to die for something that I believed in, Right? So, um, and now, Jesus changed everything for me. <laughs> Jesus really did change everything for me. Um, and I knew that this is an uncomfortable uh, topic to talk about, right? Would y'all agree? Yeah? Do y'all have someone in your, in your circle outside of here, right, that has a totally different experience than you? that you can come to the table with, break bread, and talk about these issues? Anybody? Yeah, that's awesome. And if you don't, like, I don't know how to go recommending you, you know, like, doing it. You just have to do it because that's what God calls us to do. Um, and I think we really do got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So, you know, we got to 
step out of our own bubbles, right? Because last week, if I said if everyone kind of talks like you, thinks like you, walk like you, live like you, sing like you, do all the things you do, like if that's what you're used to, then how does that like add value to your life? How does that shape your perspective? I feel like once I started getting outside of my bubble because sitting up in front of a group of majority, you know, um, white people, that wasn't my cup of tea. I was literally like a thug. I gangbanged. I sold drugs. Um, I, I had a couple. I had a couple white friends growing up, and I had a couple biracial friends growing up too. But I think the common denominator between all of us was we were just kind of poor. So I think kind of the poor struggle is the poor struggle. Like that doesn't matter. You know, that doesn't discriminate against you know, race or ethnicity whatsoever. So we kind of had this common struggle, this common bond that we share, and it, it, it formed us and molded us together. But if, um, you know, that's not your story, it's kind of hard to form, like, relationships with people who you don't share, like, a common struggle with, right? Um, but I want to uh, check this passage out in uh, Ephesians, and I think this is, like, so on point, like, when I came across this, and as I was thinking, God was like, this is it, like, this is, like, the message, and I think um, this is, needs to be our perspective. Um, so, in Ephesians 2, uh, 14, 19, uh, where are your Bibles at? Who got their Bible out? I see somebody back there. Word. If you got it, say word. Because that's the word of God, right? Word. Take a little time. Uh, I was so hoping that I could make this like light and heavy at the same time. You know, it's like you laugh a little bit. Then I punch you in the gut. You're like, oh, I can't believe he said that. That hurt. And then I make you laugh and I hug you. You know, it's all love. So um, Ephesians 2, 14, 19 says, um, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commandments and regulations. Stop. Paul's right there. Jesus Christ is our peace. So, you know, they're saying without, without justice, there can be no peace. That's so true. But what they do or what they don't say or what they lack to say is that because of Jesus Christ, the two groups, I don't care what two groups, you know, he was talking about Jews and Gentiles back in the day or, you know, people had different um, issues with people from uh, different countries. I feel like the problems was a lot different back then. It wasn't a race problem, right? It wasn't because there were uh, Jew and um, Egyptian. It was like the people of God versus the, the people who weren't considered the chosen people. So you can say black and white. Who are the two groups? Black and whites, right? This is what America has made be an issue. But it doesn't matter because in Christ we are one. Next one, please. 
His purpose, Christ's purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, this making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Right? So here we are, and this is why Jesus and the message of Jesus Christ is the answer, and the cross is the answer, because as much as we try to wrap our heads around, you know, what's going on, um, what can I do, how can we end this, there's no solution better than the cross. That's the only solution. That's the only thing that we can do that we have power over as Christians and as believers to break down those barriers and to put to death the hostility that God already put to death. Like, I feel we really do a disservice by picking a lot of this stuff back up as Christians. We really put Christ back on the cross because everything that people are going through now and everything that's happening, like Christ already died for that. And as believers, as heirs, as citizens of the kingdom, like, we don't have to live the way the world lives. Lord mentioned last week, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Next slide, please. He came and preached peace to you who were far and away, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, we are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of the household. So even if you're not a part of the problem, even if, you know, you're not racist, even if um, you never had encounters that really gave you the opportunity, I don't care what the circumstance or what your background may be, As long as we in Christ, you're not a foreigner, you know. It, this kind of reminds me of, like, the Good Samaritan. Who's my brother? Who's my sister? Is it, like, blood? Is that the only thing that determines that? Like, physical blood? Because Christ's blood shed for all of us. So, technically, once we accept salvation, like, we share the same blood. Like the spirit that's in you is in me. That's that one spirit, the Holy Spirit, that blood that flowed through Jesus and covered all of our sins, right? That same blood is in me, it's in you. So that makes us family. You know, like y'all my brothers and y'all my sisters in Christ. I see you. Yes. Um, And that's awesome because that's the good news. Um, so perspective, perspective is important. How are you seeing the current events? Who are you listening to? What channels are you subscribing to? Are you only getting a, a, a left-wing view? Are you only getting a right-wing view? Are you only thinking out of the patterns and thoughts that your parents gave you? At some point, as young adults, you know, you have to start thinking for yourself. You have to start thinking critically. Um, Don't we have to do research papers in here at some point? And that's what research papers do. That's what I learned going to college. Research papers gave me 
the ability and the option to start looking at information for myself. It wasn't because this is, I mean, I kind of had my own thoughts formed when I went in, but it gave me the ability to flesh out things that I thought about, you know, and it made me question things that I thought I knew. And I also had to unlearn. How many of y'all been taught that you have to unlearn things? That's good. Not enough of you. You got to unlearn some things. Like, we learn these things and we operate out of these beliefs that are passed down because of culture. And culture is another thing that's important because this kind of culture will um, tell us, like, what's normal, what's okay, what's not okay. Um, underneath culture, you kind of got uh, traditions as well. We have these traditions, and I feel like we kind of grow up, and if we only be around people that look like us, walk like us, talk like us, sound like us. If it walk like a duck, if it quite like a duck, it's probably a duck, right? So we have to um, be mindful of how that actually like shapes what we believe to be true. And sometimes um, we believe things and we don't even know why we believe and we don't question them. It's just we were taught these things. This is just the way life is, right? This is what my mom did. It reminds me of the story on um, Thanksgiving. This uh, mom was uh, cooking a ham and she has uh, her daughter in the kitchen with her. And this is something they do on Thanksgiving all the time. And um, the woman's uh, mom was in the room. So you had the grandma, the mom, and the daughter, right, three generations. And the mom comes in, and she's like, what are you doing cutting off? Why, why did you cut off the ends of the ham? And she said, Mama, I did it because as a kid, that's what you used to do. She said, I only did that because the pan was too small. But here she was all these years, got her own child. Her own child, her own daughter is about to start repeating the same behavior that her mom did just because she thought this was the way things are. She never questioned it. Right? So we live out of that space oftentimes. So what is culture? The totality of communication practices and systems of meaning, a whole way of life of a whole people, the social production and reproduction of sense, meaning, and consciousness. Culture does not express the way of life of a people, but it actively shapes up that way of life. So our culture is different. Black and white culture is different. You know, kind of Asians have their own culture. You know, Hispanics have their own cultures. Latino um, is different. And that's okay because your culture is, is different than mine. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. I feel like <clears throat> if I'm looking at it strictly from like my own experience sometimes I even recently I got a roommate um, my friend Jordan he from Wisconsin grew up real conservative family nice neighborhood mom dad real successful you got me you know locked up sixth grade been to prison ex-con drug dealer you know so I think it's so easy because he hadn't been really exposed to black culture or really had the opportunity to just get to know people that wasn't like him originally, 
like things that I would say or I would do would go against this grid because in this house, that's not something he was used to. So I felt like I was being judged. So if you're looking at, you know, like establishing relationships with people who aren't like you, who aren't from where you're from, you just have to remember, like, just because it looks different, that doesn't mean that it's wrong. And we shouldn't, like, judge people um, because maybe some of their customs and traditions are different than our customs and traditions and ways of doing things. Um, and it's, it's natural. I think it go both ways, too, though. People naturally do this. So one of the things that kind of got me was uh, hip-hop. I was a huge hip-hop fan as a kid. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was because a lot of the music at that time, I related, like they put into words what I was feeling. How many of y'all are like mood listeners? Like, like when you, you know, heart broke, you got your songs you play. When you in love with your boo, you got your songs you play. When you want to have fun and you want to turn up and have a good time, you have songs you play. Why? Because these things kind of speak to us and our mood and how we feeling. And for me, as a kid, I couldn't help but to, like, just fall in love with hip-hop. And the other thing, um, when it came to, like, hip-hop, dope. How many of y'all say that's dope? <laughs> a couple. That's dope, right? That's black culture right there. <laughs> And I feel like, uh, you know, it really, it, it really shaped what I thought was cool. It taught me swag. It taught me how to dress. It taught me words. It taught me, you know, like, culture teaches us a lot of things, right? And it also taught me that we shouldn't trust the police. Why shouldn't we trust the police? Do y'all know that the last black man was lynched in 1981? How long ago was 1981? Your parents was alive. You know, as much as they like to say, oh, racism doesn't exist in America, that's a, 1981. I wasn't born yet, but I was close to being born in 1981. Like, this isn't that far removed. We're not that far removed from when it was real hostile and when it wasn't safe for African Americans in America. So we kind of got you know, like black culture, and I think from <laughs> hip-hop is like the um, new rock and roll, right? Fashion, black culture as a whole has affected everything, and people embrace it. People listen to it. How many of y'all listen to rap? Yeah. How many of y'all listen to Christian rap? Right? You know, ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, but I feel like at any given moment, I can pull up on university and be in the car and I see a bunch of young white kids, you know, listening to gangster rap. Not that there's nothing wrong with it, but I know they saying the N-word because they ain't got their black friends in the car. People sing along to the lyrics. It's natural, right? Um, and then, you know, we kind of got... White culture in the, in the European worldview, a culture has always dominated this part of the West. Um, since the conception of the 13 colonies and when, you know, the early settlers start coming here, that was the whole point, right, was to create their own culture and to force other people 
and to abide by their culture. So as time went by, you can kind of flip to them slides. You know, this was white Jesus. That's a Western worldview. That's like a European viewpoint, right? So a lot of African Americans, you know, that kind of feel the message of the cross and feel the message of Jesus, right? They have a problem with this. Why is this the norm, right? Why is it that more people of color grow up in poverty than those of our white counterparts? Um, I feel like the Western world has always used propaganda to um, form us into molding and accepting this culture while rejecting ours. Only to a certain extent. We can let y'all have some things, but y'all got to come, you got to straighten up. You know, you got to talk properly. You can't be using slang. You need to get your pronunciation right, you know. Um, we got this, and, and this is good, but, you know, y'all kind of stay over there. They did it to the natives. They did it to the Filipino, Filipinos, the Asians. They did it to the Latinos. They did it to the Mexicans below the border. It's just this idea of, of power, um, control, superiority, privilege, prestige, and class that um, the dominant white culture has today, it came at the expense and price of someone else's oppression. And this is why, this is a live picture. You know, this is a lynching. And I'm happy it's kind of blurred, but you know, not too long ago, people used to really do that. And they, you know, ago, ain't that crazy? to think that people would line up around something this horrific and want to take selfies. People used to send postcards like this not that long ago. Um, and you wonder why people are mad. I, I don't agree with the, um, with the violence. I understand it, though. I get it. Um, I don't know if I would have been, I would have been a mix between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. It just kind of depends, right? Because I most definitely would have fought, but because of my belief in Jesus, you know, I most definitely would have went for peace. Uh, there is no peace in, um, in oppression. There's no peace in um, things that don't bring about justice. There's no peace in um, forever and a day. This has kind of been this reoccurring womb, right? Let's just be opening it back up every time something happens, right? And people get tired and people try to talk. People try to change law. People try to educate themselves. People try to move in positions of power only to be denied and then, you know, this is what happened. There's no um, peace in that. That's why people are angry. Um, what about justice and reconciliation of people, groups through Jesus Christ, who he really made us one and he destroyed that line. I just want to kind of reiterate that and bring that back through Christ. We're not black. We're not white. We're not Asian. 
that's a world classification. What Jesus did was he created a new culture. How many of y'all listen to Jesus' culture? Right? Who know a song off the top of their head from Jesus' culture? Ooh, put you on the spot. Um, but he did. He created a culture. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we all one. And that breaks down those barriers, that breaks down those divides. Uh, Jesus' purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. I see your color, right? And I think it's beautiful. I know that your culture is different than mine, and that's okay. You know, we need to break bread, and we need to learn from each other, because in that is power and strength within itself. Christ reconciled both of us to God through the cross by which he put to death our hostility. God knew this was going to happen. This ain't no surprise. It was happening back then, just not in the way it's perpetuated now. Um, yeah, he's not surprised by any of it, um, but there is hope. And there is joy and peace. And while I don't subscribe to, you know, certain movements that's going on right now, um, I think within itself it's necessary for this time. But if it's not the kingdom of God, I'm good, you know. Um, and it goes back to your content and, you know, what you believe and are you willing to get uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable? Are you willing to step outside what's comfortable for you to, um, you know, like grow as a person and grow as a Christian and to, you know, like truly reflect what the kingdom of God looks like? In Galatians 3:28, it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one. And Jesus Christ. Amen. You show that next slide. I like churches that really try to promote um, multi, they call them multi-ethnic churches, right? Um, because this is a true reflection of the kingdom of God right here. It's not your white neighborhood. It's not my black neighborhood. It's not a predominant Latino neighborhood. This is a true reflection of the kingdom of God. We are all one. It doesn't matter where you come from, how you grow up, poor, rich. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Once we accept Christ, we are all one in the kingdom. The good news is we should rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, no matter what, because you're going to have people that's not going to like you because you're white. You're going to have people that's not going to, you know, feel like you're entitled to ask questions because you don't understand the struggle. You don't come from where I come from. And if we don't have that gentleness towards that, and if we don't rejoice in the sufferings of Christ, because Christ suffered for all of it, and they persecuted him, despite him being God, despite him being kind, 
despite him coming and serving, he still had a gentle spirit, and he calls us to that same call. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. What do you do? Don't be anxious about it. You just got to get your motives and understand why is it important to have relationships with people who don't look like me. Don't be anxious about it. You know, the Spirit of God is with you. But in every situation, be prayerful. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So if you have that burning desire to, um, you know, just want to learn and want to grow, you know, how do you find some black friends? It's a lot of different events going on around the community. It's a lot of different opportunities at you and I. And it might take you getting out your comfort zone, right, and just showing up somewhere. That's what I used to do. That's how I met Laura. Just showing up. Completely out of my comfort zone. I ain't going to lie. I was at a real hard time in my life, and I was living across the street from my church. And I noticed that they used to have this picnic in the park, right? And um, I used to go because sometimes that's the only meal. Like, I knew for sure on the second Sunday of the month, that was a for sure meal, and I wasn't going to miss it. Just like when they had the lunch at Lutheran, and they like, y'all come in, 700 Buffalo Wild Wings. Y'all can take some home. What? I'm not missing that. And because that is like the, the thing that drew me in. And because I was in need, I ended up meeting Laura Hoy. Was it uncomfortable? Yeah. Did I want to talk about I'm here because I ain't got no food in my refrigerator? No. I didn't really care, though. You know, they didn't ask and I sure wasn't going to tell, but as time went, you know, like I share that story now and I don't have a problem with it. And lastly, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, who are your brothers, who are your sisters? Everyone, especially believers. You know, and we're supposed to witness to those that aren't believers. And as believers and as brothers and sisters in Christ, it don't matter what your color is. Um, so finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'm going to call the band up. I appreciate y'all um, having me out tonight. I hope that was. Give it up. Thank you. I was uncomfortable. I'm probably sweating. Um, but I do really appreciate um, just having the opportunity to, you know, get your gears a turning and to help shape your perspective. Because, you know, this is something that is going to affect, like, your kids and their kids and your life. And I feel like the more diverse we become, the more perspectives we have, the more of an asset we are to our family and our communities. I'll be out afterwards. Um, we're going to uh, worship. So if you would like to stand to your feet, um, rejoice. Like, I know this is a hard time, but, you know, there's hope in Jesus Christ. I appreciate y'all having me.